Welcome to the Nativa podcast series, where we provide a data-driven analysis to the most popular topics trending among Hispanics and Black consumers. I'm Natasha Ponganis, co-founder and CEO of OAE Business Intelligence, and joining us today from Phoenix, Arizona, we have my business partner, Eric Diaz, who is also a co-founder of OAE and Nativa, and we have Ari, Ariadne, also joining from the Phoenix office. So today we're going to kick off the year talking about sport. I know that's one of Eric's favorite topic. Um, but as we are starting to identify different trends uh, among Hispanics, uh, we know the sport is something that's relevant not only for males, but also for females. And uh, so we decided actually to do an analysis on the NHL. If for anyone who is familiar with the type of work that we do, we have several analyses with the NFL, NBA, but we, didn't ha we haven't really done one in the NHL. So we want to, again, start 2022, understanding how Hispanics and Black fans um, are really connecting or not connecting with the NHL. So let's just get started. So guys, how familiar are you with hockey? Are you hockey fans? Do you watch hockey? Do you have any particular team that you love? All right. You want to kick it off? Yeah. Uh, I... Don't know a lot about hockey, actually, so it's good getting to find out a little bit more through this um, report, but uh, I actually, I didn't even go to any of my, I know that ASU has like a hockey team, and I didn't go to any of their games. I, I Honestly, it seems like a really aggressive game, and that seems interesting because I would like to sit through one and just see what goes on. There's always like people losing teeth, and that's like, like getting hit, and I'm just like, well, it seems like action-packed. So I'm sure I would like it if I went, but I just haven't gone. What about you, Eric? Um, you know, I uh, I enjoyed it as a as a kid. I think we um, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, so we would always freeze up in the winter time, so we could actually get our you know, like kind of makeshift pucks and, and sticks. I remember I had this hockey stick that came from Kellogg's. Kellogg's, uh, you know, like Frosted Flakes. You could like send in a number of the UPC uh, labels and get a, a hockey stick. What? So I actually had like a plastic, I thought it was the coolest thing, a little plastic hockey stick. And me and my friend, he had one too. We would just go, whenever it froze, we would uh, pretty much go in your backyard if you had pavement and then you just play out there and just kind of make a goal out of whatever. So it's it, it was fun. It was definitely fun, but it was kind of more like, I don't think we had skates, you know, we're just running around out there on the ice. <laughs> Jesus. Just sliding. Yeah, <laughs> And I think it's interesting to your point, Ari, you're talking about, you know, hockey being an aggressive sport. And I think a lot of people think that hockey is all about the fights that you see sometime in the ice. But actually, I think people don't understand the level of skills they go through to be a hockey player, right? It's not like you, ne you need to learn how to skate before you can play a game. You need to be really be sharp and, you know, pay attention 24-7 from your back, your side, as your brain is thinking how you can skate, you have to figure out how to move the puck, be very strategic on the approach. And, and I think, unfortunately, perhaps the NHL hasn't really put so much emphasis on educating the public about how to appreciate uh, a hockey game. And I think, you know, for me, being a hockey mom, perhaps I really understand a little bit more of the game. Um, but it's a, it's a really interesting sport to, to really watch and understand. And yeah, perhaps it's a little bit more aggressive. 
than some other sport because of the fight and the players seem to be like very passionate about, about the game. But I think if you remove that from the game and really appreciate everything they go through putting that game together, it's just, it's just amazing. I know that Eric is a big fan with the NBA and he can probably debate me uh, between the NBA and the NHL, but I, I honestly think that it's one of the most um, hard to play a sport. Um, and, you know, I'm a big soccer fan as well, but I think hockey comes really to the top when it comes to the skill level. So, yeah, let's, let's start with some of the analysis. If Eric or Ari maybe can share the screen for those who are actually watching this podcast, that would be great. Um, and we can kind of get started on. So the analysis for this analysis, we started very early on in the season. So hockey usually starts around October and goes all the way to April. So the analysis here really captured the conversations between um, November and December. And, and our team just selected some of um, the NHL teams. So we then really do an analysis with all of them, but with some specific ones. Um, and I know being in the Arizona office, um, the Arizona Coyotes, of course, are one of the, the teams that we wanted to analyze. And there is a lot of emphasis being one of the first NHL franchise owned by a Hispanic. Um, definitely, I think we want to make sure that we were including that team in this report. What can you share regarding overall volume? So what I wanted to, to mention with volume is that from the four teams that were picked, it was Tampa Bay, Edmonton, Colorado, and Arizona. Now, what was really interesting about those is that, well, among Hispanics, they were all about the same percentage. They were all about 8%, which mm. was, uh, was kind of fascinating, kind of odd. We usually don't see that when we compare different teams. But that's what happened. The, the leader was the uh, was the Coyotes. They were eight point five, and then um, Tampa Bay was actually eight point five, and then followed by Colorado at eight point four percent, and finally Edmonton at eight point one. We wanted to make sure uh, there was a Canadian team in there, and Edmonton was chosen to be that Canadian team. So as you can see, the overall volume is highest among the top the, among the three U.S. teams. Lowest for overall volume is lowest for Edmonton being a Canadian team. Uh, could be you know part of that. But Edmonton did have, I will say, they did have the highest percentage of Black American conversation, which was interesting. Now, don't get me wrong, Black American conversation was low, it was very under-indexed, it was only 4%, 4.2% for Edmonton versus 12%, which would be the index for, for the United States. But it was, it was um, interesting to see that Black Americans did uh, engage the most with that team over Tampa Bay and some of the others. Now, Tampa Bay, they're riding a two-year Stanley Cup championship streak. So mm. not surprising to see them uh, up pretty high. Although uh, Colorado was still the most discussed overall among uh, among everyone, um, led with 85% white American. And after that, um, you know, everybody else filled in. But overall, if you look, Colorado just, you know, the ads are popular online. They get talked about a lot. And I think some of that is some of the players that they have draw a lot of excitement. So That's funny. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You probably, since you probably click on or like a related to sports, you probably get a lot of those. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, and then further down into language analysis, um, as we see with like most of the reports that we've done across like all of the different teams, um, the most popular language is English, um, with at least like all teams having 83% English. And then um, 
but the team with the most um, Spanish conversations are the Oilers, um, which is interesting. It's like a Canadian team, but we will see later that it is also one of the most um, discussed teams among um, Hispanics. Yeah, I'll just add yeah. bilingual conversation wasn't much on this. It was around 1%, which usually it's a bit higher than that. So bilingual just being uh, any mix of English and Spanish uh, in the in the in the conversation was much lower than we usually see. Yeah. And even when it does come to like any of the bilingual tweets that we did find, a majority of them were predominantly in English or they were just like mostly speaking. Yeah, and I think not just surprising, right? I think hockey is something that's very American or, or Canadian and you can see in, in Europe. In Latin America is not a very popular sport. And um, so I guess I'm not too surprised that we see that perhaps the second generation of the English dominant Hispanics tend to tend uh, to speak more on the NHL than the, the Spanish speaking. And I think definitely that's something that the NHL is trying to change um, and be a little bit more um, strategic on reaching that Spanish speaking consumer and, and trying to create a, a, a loyalty and fans for those as well. Um, and this is an interesting one that you showed right there. Because with the NHL and Espanol, so that's an Spanish tweet about the NHL. And, uh, you know, and I think this particular play right here, uh, you know, it, it kind of generated some positive and negative sentiment as well. I think that's something that we can look a little bit down on the analysis. Um, so, you know, on this play, you know, you can agree, you can love it or hate it, and right, how it's done. Uh, you know, as an spectator or a hockey fan, I mean, I think that play was pretty incredible. Um, just going complete through the defense line and, and score a goal. But, there, you know, I think some of the question came about being a team player. Right? All these sports like hockey, the NBA, and, and it's about being part of the team, making sure that everyone had that equal uh, time with the puck. And in this case, I think this player is kind of being known for being perhaps a little bit more selfish. Um, and she's taking the credit, uh, which, you know, to his credit, actually, he has the skills to do it and he has done it multiple times. But again, I think it's just like that hate love relationship in this yeah. particular play. Yeah. yeah. Even looking at it, it looks really interesting. I wish I would have grown up somewhere where there was like ice or like I grew up in the desert, like born and raised. So there was no way I was going to get any of these skills or even get into that. <laughs> I played field hockey, like on a field. Where I ran. That's good. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that you can probably transfer into the eyes. And actually, mm -hmm. they're trying to bring more girls into the, the program. And that uh, we actually had a great meeting with some of the head, uh, the Arizona Coyote, and she is a female. She's a former Olympia. She played for the women's national team. And she's very passionate about bringing more diversity and inclusion, not only for the Arizona Coyotes, but also for the NHL. And um, so, you know, to your point, Perhaps when you were in college, when high school, hockey wasn't much of on your mind, or perhaps you weren't really exposed. But actually, Arizona State University has a very good um, D1 program in hockey. Yeah, I did actually know that. I, um, that they, our hockey team is like, up, like they're pretty big. And like, I would have, I actually was really tempted to go into, like to go to a game like my sophomore, junior year. I'm so sad I didn't go because now I graduated, but. Um, you still yeah, have yeah, I really wish I would have gone into it. Mm -hmm. It looks like a fun sport. <laughs> and oh, then, one thing I wanted to mention, guys, is that um, so that tweet in particular, that was an all a pure Spanish tweet that was retweeted by I think a guy named Jose Martinez. 
but it does come from so the NHL is trying to do more uh, with Spanish speaking uh, Americans and they do have their own channel and website in Spanish. So that, that's something else I found interesting because um, I did, I guess I didn't expect that going in that they were going to have that type of outreach, but there was one other post. I, I don't know that we'll have time to show it on, on this uh, podcast, but there was um, conversation about the coyotes. One of their new campaigns It's actually it's, it's in English. Um, there might be a Spanish person, but it's in English. It's commercial. And they actually made me think about what you just said, Ari, about like not, you know, not really having ice out here in Arizona, but the Coyotes commercial shows people basically playing hockey in the, on the dirt, you know, like, you yeah, know, that's like what I have to do. in the desert, you know, you see cacti and, you know, they're running around and they're basically like, hey, you can play hockey too. You, you, you can love this sport as well. Yeah. Like, I, that's how I did it when I was younger. Like, that's how I learned. But even now, like, um, like as Natasha mentioned, um, I know how to like ice skate, but even then there's so much skill that is required into like actually becoming a good player. Like, especially in the ice, it's so slippery and there's just, it's like a, it's a complicated, it's complicated. So I don't even know yeah. if it, with all the, even playing on the dirt would translate as well. But like, there is a lot of roller uh, roller skating uh, hockey as well, the or street hockey. So you put your roller skate and then you play hockey on the street or they have also some feel and it's not quite ice skating, but it's pretty similar if you can roller skate. And and uh, I wish we had those more here in Ohio. We don't, but I know some other states are very big on that. And it's like an easy transition perhaps to go to the ice. It was. That's how that I didn't. I didn't um, fall out the first time I went ice skating because I was pretty good at roller, like rollerblading and um, roller skating when I was younger. So I was actually pretty good at it. Still not good enough to probably play hockey, but I was good at it. <laughs> um, and then even when um, when we look at the Latino Index, um, which is the one that Eric is showing right now on screen, um, we can see that most of the tweets are from L1 audience, which translates back to or like relates back to what we were talking about. That most of the audiences that are interacting with like hockey right now are even like the Hispanics that are interacting. A majority of them are like within the spectrum, English only. Interact with like a lot of. Um, what would what what would you say would be like? L1 would be like examples of it. So just like uh yeah, they talk about American pop culture, they're watching. Yeah. I don't know, they post about Kanye West. And, there you yeah. go. So strictly like, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm trying to think of examples of <laughs> like L3 would be more like Bad Bunny, still a little bit of both. Like, um, so yeah, so but strictly L1 or but they, L1. But I will also mention though, Ari, it was a little bit L1, even though it is dominant, like you said, like you mm -hmm. see Tampa Bay on my screen, 74% L1. Yeah. And everything else is obviously smaller percentage than that. But even that is, if you look at the how that compares to the index of sports, um, which we have over here on the screen, it's generally around 85% L1. So hockey did tend to be a little bit less of L1. And actually there was, it was a little bit higher in some of the areas such as, uh, as L3. L3 is typically here, here in red, usually around 5%. Um, and for all, and for the NHL, it was actually a lot of them. Two of the teams, like Colorado and Edmonton, were twelve percent, thirteen percent, respectively. So, and some of that, some of that could be because the NHL is proactively putting content in Spanish, and they, you know they're doing that. And there's a number of teams. I know the the Coyotes. You know they have channels that are in Spanish, also trying to engage that Spanish dominant Hispanic that lives in the Phoenix, Arizona region, and trying to engage them that way. So there, um, so there's more of that happening. 
in the in the U.S. more um, toward than other sports. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the new slogan that they have across the NHL to like just club team is hockey's for everyone, and they have in Spanish hockey's para todos um, because you know part of the the challenge to play hockey for for families is the cost associated, right? If you play basketball, you play soccer, you grab your ball, you can go, you know, down the street, on the park, or, you know, at the court of your school, and you can have a game with your with your friends. For hockey, unfortunately, you need to have an ice rink. Uh, and there isn't really, unless perhaps you go to Alaska, or you're in Canada, or perhaps, you know, some of the other parts of Montana, I guess, where you have a lot of ice, and you can go to the pond and play hockey in the pond with your friends. Unfortunately, for most of the other states, you have to pay to play. You have to pay to get into an ice rink. And there is, so it's a significant cost. Um, and no, you know, perhaps it's a, as accessible for everyone. So I think the NHL and a lot of the other clubs are trying to make it more accessible. They're trying to create programs where um, a lot of the gear will be donated or will have a very, a very accessible entry point. And that's just, you know, I think. Perhaps this analysis translates in a little bit of that. And now they're trying to reach to another demographic. Um, they can really, truly be passionate about the NHL. So I'm actually very particularly excited about that. Yeah, that's actually really, yeah, I completely agree. Like Eric was saying, he would go outside and he could just go run out and play in the ice. But we, like, that's hard to do in places where, like, you know, like here where there isn't any. Or um, there's like just in general yeah. like a lot of costs associated with it that I didn't even think about like the skates in itself buying the equipment, equipment all of that yeah, the, yeah. Okay, well, no. I don't know if they're still doing that or still like a plastic <laughs> well you know but I, what I'm starting to realize as a as a new parent is like there's just so many toys out there and you're just starting to look at like I have a daughter that's 11 months and like her room is just starting to fill up. We don't buy. Everybody just drops off toys. I mean, we're we're blessed in that regard. But like, I would also think about like, is it if I were to think about getting her hockey equipment, I'm like, where would I put that stuff? You know, like yeah. it is bulky. You know, and like, and, and is it worth it? Because is she going to stay interested in it? Like, and I I wonder if that's like a mindset that parents have too. That you know is also an obstacle. Whereas if you're going to play basketball, you need one thing: a basketball. Yeah. Right. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> It's just it now. is. And I think as a parent, you know, when my son decided he wanted to play hockey, like I'm from Argentina. So when my son was born, I was so excited. They all have a soccer player and I can wait to go send him to Argentina. My cousin actually was a coach in one of the largest team in Argentina. I mean, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then we took him to watch the Blue Jackets again. And he was five. And that was it. Like he was mm -hmm. sold. Like that's what he wanted to do. So I think as a parent, you know, like you, Eric, we went through that same process. Oh my God, did we have to buy all this equipment? Like, oh, it's so expensive. So we tap into some family friends that we knew, borrow some of the equipment, send it to some classes. And it takes a lot before you allowed actually to join a team. But he was persistent. Like he knew that that's what he wanted to do. And I think as a parent, sometimes you have to like figure out and see, okay, do I really want to get invested in this type, type of sport? Or, but, you know, you kind of, your heart gives in and, and you let, you know, you support your kids. Um, so, unfortunately, unfortunately, but yeah, it's wow. something looking back. It's been a fun journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, any, any surprises you guys on the gender analysis? Yes. Well, mm -hmm. um, 
to note, a majority of them were um, like, no, we're not surprising as we were talking about, this is like a male dominated sport, mm -hmm. which is, um, it's good to see that like people um, are trying to move away from that. And like, um, as Natasha was saying, but yeah, this was dominated by males for both Hispanic and black American. But I think Eric and I were discussing and Natasha as well, that there was a, there was a more Hispanic, um, there was still more Females, Hispanic yeah. speaking about, yeah, speaking about um, hockey than there is a Black American women, which is interesting to know. Yeah, it was almost two to one for uh, U.S. Hispanic women at 21% and uh, Black American women were 11%. So just, just interesting yeah. to, to see that, um, you know, it was a two to one ratio on that and Hispanic women we're engaging, we're sharing content, uh, retweeting, things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was very surprising for me as well. I didn't expect to see so many uh, percent of females, which is great. I think it's a great opportunity for some of these teams and the NHL to tap into that female audience and trying to grow, um, you know, with the Latino and the Black household. Yeah, 100%. That's... that's yeah, I think we should definitely expand and grow into like maybe incorporating more women because I would definitely watch, I'd probably be more interested in watching it and see if it's, it's like, I don't know, because I when I watch basketball, it's like the females, like I've seen them and they're really aggressive and they're really good. So I think if we had an, an HL, like, like female team, I'm pretty sure I'd like, that sounds interesting and I definitely want to see that happen. Um, and then when we move yeah. on to like sentiment. Sentiment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's still also like still usually in accordance to like what we see overall generally positive um, with people showing their excitement on wins or discussing like just overall praising certain people, praising their team that they support. Um, I think there was like Mario Vasquez. He, he shared like a pretty funny meme. Um, yeah, if you want to show that on. Or he shared like a pretty funny tweet that expresses this yeah, joy. for the avalanche yeah, in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, this is the kind of thing that you see a lot um, from the audience just talking about, you know, their, the, the team that they were rooting for, they won. Um, Yoke's on fire. <laughs> this is somebody that, uh, you know, just, that, that talks a lot about sports. Um, a lot of, you know, probably an L1 Latino. Um, probably both of those guys are. But, um, but yeah, uh, conversation, I would say, was a little bit, higher on negative sentiment than we typically see in sports reports. Um, but, you know, that, that, so that surprised me a little bit. And I believe that the, um, they were pretty comparable. So between black and Hispanic, they were each right around 74, 75% positive about, you know, about 25% uh, negative, but just overall a little bit, a little bit more negative than, than I expected. And I think it was just um, people talking about plays and things like that. Like Natasha, I think you talked about um, like Connor McDavid maybe being, being mentioned as being like selfish or not not passing, and I think stuff like that was tended to be some of the negative uh, comments, you know, like, right? They just yeah. just talking about the sports play, not anything necessarily negative about the league or anything bad about the right. sport, right. but like just about a player, a player. Yeah. yeah, and I think you bring a really valid point, right? For anyone, I guess, looking at this analysis or the graph, they might think they. They're talking very negative about a particular team, team, but it's not. It's about a particular game, a particular play. 
So, which I think is a little bit different, perhaps, with some of the other analysis that we do. For brands in particular, we see a lot of negative conversation for the brand or the product. Here seems to be like very breakdown for a specific place. Uh, yeah, either a, a play or a particular game. When I, when I was briefing through um, location, we usually don't spend too much time on, uh, on that, but the one thing I noticed between, between Black and Hispanic top 10 locations in, uh, in the U.S. was that three of the top 10 for Hispanic actually wound up being three of the four teams, like it kind of was like the home team, right? Yeah, so that, that was surprising to me that it wasn't like some of the, some of the usual suspects like New York wound up being much lower, uh, number, I think number six overall. Whereas they're usually like top one, two, or three. Yeah. Uh, Chicago as well. Chicago didn't end up, and part of that, you know, we didn't include the New York team or the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, so that part of that's probably related to it. Um, but we had uh, Denver, Phoenix, and we also had Tampa wound up being the three of the top 10 Hispanic teams. Whereas for Black, and that contrasted to the Black American conversation where it tended to be not, it was none of the home teams wound up yeah. being in our top 10 locations. It was all uh, basically sports fans or hockey fans that lived in other parts of the country. Uh, Atlanta was number one, St. Louis number two, DC number three. Ohio's on the list. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. that is and that is interesting considering Cleveland does, doesn't have a professional NHL player uh, team. Yeah, no, Yeah, I think um, just people tweeting, you know, sports lovers yeah. talking about talking about the NHL in general. Yeah. There you go. And then looking at the word clouds, like the top most popular words either relate to um, understandably either the teams, like the wins, that's what like what you see, um, that's what was populated the most for specific players. Yeah, I think there was a, a huge retweet for Conor McDavid that for the players for the yeah. Oilers that wound up dominating a lot of what we saw there. So part of that just depends on the data. The date range we looked at, Conor McDavid must have had a number yeah. of tweets that got retweeted a lot. So he showed up. Um, so one of the things that we, we see sometimes is some trends like that. Yeah. Very good. So yeah, this was, again, a very insightful analysis. And uh, we're going to kick off the 2022 years, uh, 2022, with some other insightful analysis throughout the year with some of this trending topic. And I don't know, Eric, you have some, uh, if you can tell what will be perhaps the next analysis. I know that we have a lot coming in the pipeline. Yeah, well, coming up very soon, we're going to have um, crypto. So we're going to be doing now a lot of different cryptocurrencies and find out what the difference is. What do Black, Hispanic uh, users, what are they, what are their biggest concerns or uh, where are they talking about, which 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 currencies are they talking about the most um, and how does that differ from the general population? So that'll be one I'm pretty excited about that'll be coming pretty soon. That one's gonna be super interesting, especially given like the most recent controversy that happened with like crypto. So I know there's a lot of new ones too coming out. Oh yeah. That'd be really, really cool to find Absolutely. out more about. Absolutely. Well, for everyone, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to download this NHL report or any other report in our website. Visit uh, oyintelligence.com. Feel free to leave a comment. And always, our white paper analysis are free. So thank you for watching and stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you.